Attorney General Merrick Garland behaves like an imperious ruler. How dare Americans question his majesty's motives or actions? The little people have no right to ask questions or doubt his orders. That was Garland's indignant attitude during his recent four-minute news conference when he dressed down the public for its skepticism, if not outrage, over the armed pre-dawn raid on Donald Trump's home. Apparently, good citizens have no right to know what went on at Mar-a-Lago or why the FBI deployed such thuggish tactics on a former president. Quote, I will not stand by silently while the FBI and DOJ's integrity is unfairly attacked. End of quote. That's the attorney general lecturing us. Then he went silent as a sphinx. He refused to answer any questions. Well, that would be, of course, lowering himself. The almighty Garland sees himself perched on a necropolis high above the meager proletariat below. He commands his dominion, the Department of Justice and the FBI, like a bully dictator who has no time or tolerance for dissent. This is the hazard when you pick a federal judge to be the nation's chief law enforcement official, too many of them believe their decisions are sacrosanct and beyond reproach. Federal judges are anointed for life, and they gulp too often from the cup of self-righteousness. Garland declared that he personally approved the raid, as if by decree that should just end the matter once and for all. Because, you know, deplorables have no rights. So what happens when the king, King Garland, is wrong, and in this case, wrong about the law? Well, for Garland, the answer is quite simple. He just waves his magic scepter and ignores the law, as if it never existed. After all, what's the point of being the all-powerful ruler unless there are perks that come with the gig? Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times best-selling author... This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. Billionaire investor Michael Pinto has a warning for you. Don't listen to anyone who tells you how bad the crash will be and when it exactly will happen. Nobody knows. But the CEO of Wells Fargo warns the worst is yet to come for Americans. Pay attention to the economic data. Inflation is at a 40-year high, and make no mistake about it, the recession is real, no matter how the White House tries to change the definition. That's why Bloomberg, Goldman Sachs, and Jim Cramer are all calling for gold to surge. Gold and silver have historically moved opposite the stock market and in the long term can preserve your purchasing power. Call 800-809-8500 and Lear Capital the number one rated gold company will present the same trusted options they have been giving successful investors since 1997. At Lear Capital, most IRA rollovers qualify for no IRA fees for up to five years. 
Their current incentive offers up to $15,000 in bonus silver for well-qualified new customers. A three-minute call can protect your portfolio with the power of real physical gold. Call 800-809-8500 today. Again, that's 800-809-8500 and tell them Greg Jarrett sent you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Did you bother to watch Merrick Garland's confirmation hearing to be Attorney General of the United States? Nah, I didn't think so, but I did. He left the distinct impression that any laws he likes are sacred, but the laws he dislikes are an inconvenience to be swatted aside like pesky flies, and that is a dangerous mentality. So it should come as no surprise that his raid on Donald Trump's home in Palm Beach, Florida, was a lawless and punitive hit job. Garland cited three criminal codes as the basis for his dubious warrant. But guess what? Those statutes have no application because the controlling law on presidential papers is dictated exclusively by the Presidential Records Act of 1978. And under that very specific law, which nullifies general statutes, Trump had every right to take custody of the documents in dispute. Now, I've pointed this out before, including on the air, the day of the raid when the news broke. But don't take my word for it. Read the excellent analysis by David Rifkin and Lee Casey, two well-respected constitutional law experts who nicely explained it in an op-ed section of the Wall Street Journal on Tuesday. They wrote, quote, The FBI had no legally valid cause for the raid because... Federal law gives Mr. Trump a right to access them, the papers, and possess them. End of quote. Now, Merrick Garland knew this, but he didn't care. He waved his divine orb and invaded Mar-a-Lago for purely political reasons. He hates Donald Trump and all Republicans for denying him a seat on the U.S. Supreme Court. So... He sought vengeance while doing the partisan bidding of his boss, Joe Biden, in a desperate ploy to knock out Joe's expected opponent in the next presidential election. That is how ruthless and unscrupulous despots operate. They neutralize the enemy. Well, Trump is fighting back, as well he should. Late on Monday, he filed a motion in federal court in Florida challenging Garland's perversion of the law. And Trump raised four important points through his lawyers. Number one, did the FBI lie to the federal magistrate who signed the warrant and or omit exculpatory evidence of Trump's consistent cooperation with the National Archives? If so, Garland's warrant was invalid under the law, and the controlling case, Franks versus Delaware, by the U.S. Supreme Court. Number two, did the FBI disclose a pretextual or dual reason to the magistrate? 
That is, Garland's ulterior motive for the search related to the January 6th investigation, thus deceiving the magistrate. Number three, the warrant was a general warrant, meaning it was overly broad, in clear violation of the Fourth Amendment's requirement that it must always be specific. So that, too, would make the warrant invalid. Number four, Garland violated his own publicly stated standard that a less intrusive means must always be tried first, meaning a subpoena, not a criminal search warrant. Federal District Court Judge Aileen Cannon has been assigned this case, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, Garland must contend with Magistrate Bruce Reinhardt, who was likely snookered by the Attorney General into signing the warrant in the first place. And I can only imagine Merrick Garland's fulminating reaction and blown gaskets when he learned on Monday that this lowly magistrate had the temerity to formally reject the AG's argument to keep the entire Trump affidavit under seal. In his written ruling, Reinhardt cited, quote, the intense public and historical interest in an unprecedented search as justification for releasing at least some of the affidavit's contents. His reasoning is, of course, sound. So, what will King Garland do? How dare a humble subject question the emperor's new clothes? Well, Garland has until Thursday to provide the magistrate with proposed redactions, but do not expect our tyrannical AG to capitulate, at least in the way that Reinhardt envisions. Most of what the Justice Department submits on Thursday will likely be obscured with thick black ink, except the page numbers and, well, maybe the title. If Reinhardt determines, as he should, that that is insufficient and indeed obstructive, Garland will run like a jackrabbit to his former pals on a higher court to maintain his cover-up. The Attorney General, you'll recall, pretended to be forthcoming when he moved to release the warrant itself and the inventory list of material seized. Well, it was a not-so-clever and indeed sleazy ruse because little was revealed in those two documents. The affidavit, on the other hand, would disclose just why Garland thought it was so necessary, so essential to use a criminal warrant instead of a less intrusive subpoena to retrieve documents from Mar-a-Lago. Importantly, the affidavit might also divulge whether the FBI was dishonest in its representations to the court or otherwise concealed relevant and exculpatory information. Well, it wouldn't be the first time the FBI has lied to get what it wants, sadly, the Bureau has a long and disgraceful record of false statements, deceit, omissions, and manipulation of evidence to gain invasive warrants. Just ask the Inspector General at the DOJ who found all of that. Perhaps duplicity 
is the underlying reason why Reinhardt now wants at least some of the affidavit exposed to the light of public scrutiny. In his press conference, Garland stated, oh, it's standard practice to narrowly scope any search warrant that is undertaken. That's what he said. But that's not what Garland did. A close examination of the warrant shows that the AG concocted, as I mentioned earlier, a general warrant. Not at all narrow in scope. That gave the FBI agents carte blanche to broadly search unidentified, quote, rooms, structures, and buildings in the estate. That's how the warrant described it. They were allowed to confiscate anything that might remotely involve government documents during a four-year period, quote, as well as any other containers, boxes that are collectively stored or found together, end of quote. So basically, those agents could grab everything they saw, and that's what they did. They ransacked the joint. They turned it upside down. They took everything. Now, such an unlimited general warrant is an unconstitutional violation of the Fourth Amendment, which demands that all warrants, and I'm quoting the Fourth Amendment here, all warrants particularly describe the place to be searched and things to be seized. The founders used that word particularly. So to be valid, a warrant must be quite specific, particular, about exact locations within a home and explicitly identify documents sought. The U.S. Supreme Court has consistently held, and I'm quoting the high court here, general search warrants have long been deemed to violate fundamental rights. That was the U.S. Supreme Court in Marin versus United States. Our founders worried about power-hungry people like Merrick Garland, who would ride roughshod over the intrinsic rights of the people, and that is why they crafted our cherished Bill of Rights to guard against egregious abuse. In fact, the Fourth Amendment prohibits unreasonable searches and seizures, to describe Garland's raid on Trump as unreasonable, <laughs> that is an understatement. Moreover, there's evidence that the FBI well exceeded its ill-defined authority by, quote, seizing boxes containing records covered by attorney-client privilege and potentially executive privilege. That's what happened, according to reporting by Fox News Digital. They took Trump's attorney-client product, stuff that was covered by executive privilege. They took his passports. They had no right to do that. Garland will, of course, oppose Trump's request for an independent special master to review the seized records. But why? I mean, if the attorney general has nothing to hide, why is he hiding? If he truly believes that his raid on Trump's home met constitutional standards, why would he contest the private review by an independent, neutral third party? Well, the answer is obvious. 
Garland has everything to hide because his actions were lawless. Merrick Garland's continuing efforts to evade transparency is only fueling the public's distrust of the DOJ and the FBI. In case after case, we've all seen it, they have protected partisan allies and punished political adversaries. Merrick Garland has arrogantly and corruptly transformed his federal fiefdom into the Department of Injustice. Joining me now to talk about it is Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt. He recently won the Republican nomination for the United States Senate. A.G. Schmidt, thank you so much uh, for being here on The Brief. Let's tackle a couple of the legal issues, if we may, because you're the Attorney General in Missouri. So, first of all, as I stated on air the day of the Trump raid by Merrick Garland, the controlling statute is the Presidential Records Act. And it actually, if you read it, it affords a former president access to his presidential papers and does not make it unlawful for him to have custody during a five-year period. And that includes even classified documents. And in fact, in today's Tuesday's Wall Street Journal, two constitutional scholars pointed that out. And they wrote, and I'll quote them, the FBI had no legally valid cause for the raid because federal law gives Mr. Trump a right to access the presidential papers and possess them. And I think they're 100% right about this. So what's your reaction? This is, listen, this is unprecedented and it's unreal. I mean, if this was happening in another country, you know, our State Department would be warning us about the activities of a Banana Republic third world regime. There's no doubt about it. And so the idea that, you know, the, the, the politically motivated now Justice Department is doing a pre-dawn raid of a former president, one-time political opponent, likely future political opponent, uh, is crazy. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And I think most Americans understand this. And this is the same Justice Department, by the way, that because at the urging of the teachers unions and the National School Board Association, weaponized the FBI to investigate parents who are showing up to school board meetings under the Patriot Act as domestic, domestic terrorists. It's the same Justice Department, by the way, that is sending FBI agents to Missouri, which we've pushed back, to audit, quote-unquote audit, concealed carry permit registries by local sheriffs, which they're not allowed to do. It's the same Justice Department that looks the other way on the Hunter Biden story. It's the same Justice Department uh, that is, you know, at this point becomes so political. And by the way, at the same time where you see the IRS now with 87 new agents being weaponized to, to spread across this country, advertising for uh, IRS agents to be able to use deadly force. This is crazy. And it needs to be called out as such. Uh, and it's, it's again, a, a complete weaponization, politicization of the Justice Department, which should, by the way, just be calling balls and strikes. Not become, you know, like the the uh, the agency for the the president to take out political enemies, and that's what I think is so disturbing. No matter what your politics are, people ought to be very concerned about this. The other part is the Fourth Amendment violation that appears to me to be egregious. And the Fourth Amendment, um, which protects people from unreasonable searches and seizures, and this appears to be the definition of unreasonable. 
says that uh, any warrant has to be specific. It uses the term particularly describe locations and the material to be uh, seized. If you look at this warrant, this was a general warrant. And it, I mean, it was an, you know, grab whatever you want. Um, there was no specifics involved, no exacting locations, you know, and it also said you, you can grab any other containers and boxes that you see that are collectively stored or found together with any other uh, documents that you think are relevant. I mean, my goodness, that I mean, that's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. The Supreme Court has repeatedly said that general search warrants violate fundamental rights. You agree? Yeah, and I think if you take a step back, Greg, and really think of this in a historical context, which I think is very important right now because this has never happened before. Uh, it's never happened before. Even though, you know, like, can you imagine, by the way, if when President Trump came into office, he sent FBI agents into Bill and Cl Hillary Clinton's home uh, where she, you know, she was bleaching hard drives or Barack Obama's home. Or, by the way, not to go too far now, a few months ago where we kind of forget about it, but where l radical leftists were threatening the lives, including death threats in an assassination attempt of a Supreme Court justice when this Justice Department didn't do anything about it. If the Supreme Court was considering a big Second Amendment case, right, and conservatives were targeting Ruth Bader Ginsburg, can you imagine the outrage, right? But at this point now in this country, the media has given the Democrats a free pass on this stuff. It's it's very concerning. But the truth of the matter is, when the founders came forth and pronounced to the world that everybody else had it backwards, that our rights come from God, and that government's just our shared project to protect those rights, in those first 10 amendments, the Bill of Rights, what was the common theme? What they were really doing was protecting the citizens from a you know, uh, an overreach from somebody had too much power, right? You should be able to speak your mind. You should be able to petition your government. You should be able to defend yourself. You should be protected from unreasonable searches and seizures. You shouldn't have to have, you know, government officers or troops or soldiers quartered in your home without your consent. They were all rebelling against this idea that the central power had gotten too powerful. And here we're, here's where we're at. We're at a place where the Democrats control all the levers of power in Washington, D.C., and they are hell-bent on power and control, and we got to put a stop to it. It's one of the things I've talked about in the Senate race. We need proven conservative fighters who are going to go there, stand up, and say, enough is enough. Our republic is more important than the leftists getting their way by any means possible, and I think that's at the heart of what we see with all these overreaches and all these problems we see with the administrative state. Are, are you convinced that this is the Biden administration and the Merrick Garland uh, administration of the Department of Justice and the FBI, that they have now decided that they are going to exploit their power and they have immense resources and unlimited uh, financial uh, budget to to weaponize those two important law enforcement uh, agencies, the DOJ and the FBI, for political purposes. And, and it, it seems to me we've seen it time and again that they have used those agencies uh, to protect partisan allies, in particular Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, uh, while at the same time uh, punishing uh, political adversaries. And, and Donald Trump is just one of many examples. Your thoughts? Absolutely. Yep. And you've got plenty of good men and women 
in law enforcement who want to do the right thing. But what we've seen now is at the highest levels of government, the you know politicization of these of these positions. For a guy from Merrick Garland who now has become nothing more than a hatchet man for Joe Biden to do his, you know, to punish political enemies. That's exactly what this is about and why it's so important for Republicans when they take control to hold these people accountable. And, and I don't just mean, you know, Merrick Garland. I mean, by the way, Anthony Fauci, right? He announces retirement. That can't come soon enough. But the truth of the matter is, I think he's in December because he wants to escape scrutiny from Congress. That shouldn't happen. We ought to have round-the-clock, Iran-Contra, primetime hearings on what this man did. The, you know, the, the chaos he sowed, the destruction he sowed, closing businesses, destroying livelihoods, destroying lives, kids being forced to wear masks, gain-of-function research. I mean— Good Lord, this is the very important function of the Article One branch of Congress and the Senate to hold these people accountable. Because what the, Greg, what the founders never envisioned in this system of self-government and where you spread out power among the branches with federalism and checks and balances, their whole purpose was to make sure no one branch agency person got too powerful, all to protect individual liberty. And now more than ever, the Article One branch needs to reassert its authority, hold these people accountable so this kind of stuff never happens again. I can't think of a single individual who has done more to damage the United States of America than Anthony Fauci. I'm absolutely convinced of that. I, I think not only was he funding this gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab where the evidence increasingly suggests the, uh, the virus came from, but then he covered it up. And then he destroyed lives and livelihoods by encouraging these draconian measures to shut down America. And it was never based on science. Never. And in fact, the research that has come out since demonstrates that what Fauci advocated, what he, what he directed and exhorted, um, did more damage uh, than, than if there had been no restrictions at all. Uh, I don't care if he's a private citizen in December and January and February. He is not above a subpoena, right? Uh, correct. I couldn't agree more. And here's the thing. This was never about the science. This was about power and control. And they use fear uh, to scare people. And then they use the administrative state to go after folks that they, you know, and scare people and use these emergency orders like OSHA, for example, that was created to make sure forklifts beep when they back up to force the, the a medical procedure on 80 million people. And why as Attorney General Missouri, we were the first state to file a lawsuit against that action and we won. It's why in Missouri we've sat, filed lawsuits against 47 school districts for forcing the masking of kids. I mean, this stuff is crazy. And they took full advantage of everything they could do to try to gain more power and control to be the most important person in the room, to wear that white coat and tell people that they were safe or they were in danger, whatever that was, we can never let that happen again. And we saw the damage that's happened. We're just now realizing all the damage for young people, whether it's psychological and emotional harm, the loss of learning. And it was based on junk science that they just pushed forward to scare people. And that's all coming out now. And so absolutely, Anthony Fauci needs to be called on the carpet. In the Senate, that's what I'm going to do. I know Senator Rand Paul and Senator Ron Johnson and others have been calling for this, too. And it needs to happen because these people, you know, there was there were candles. There were like 
you know, candles for their Fauci, you know, saint candles. I mean, this was crazy. You know, it's like totally nuts. And but uh, this guy was um, propped up as some sort of saint. And at the end of the day, he did. He damaged his republic. He was a covid tyrant and he led people down the wrong path and he ought to be held accountable. Yeah. I mean, St. Fauci was nothing more than a destructive fraud. And frankly, I think in his testimony, um, he lied about uh, his funding in that Wuhan lab. And, you know, when you lie to Congress in your testimony, that's a crime, which means the person who lied, Anthony Fauci, should be behind bars. I want to wish you the best of luck in your upcoming United States Senate race. I hope that you will be able to hold Fauci accountable uh, if elected and and also, you know, get to the bottom of Garland's lawless raid uh, at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, attorney General Eric Schmidt, uh, who is the attorney general of Missouri and the Republican nominee for the United States Senate. Thanks so much for being here on The Brief.